So my name is Scott Hildreth. I'm the director of our mission center at Southeastern. You know, a movie like this is uh, not really one that you eat with a bag of popcorn and a water, is it? Uh, it's hard to process some of the things that we've seen and some of the things that we've talked about. And we're gonna take about 15 minutes or so at the close tonight, uh, just to help us unpack a little bit and process how we in the West can think about and, um, and process what we've seen. So I wanna introduce you to Dr. Chuck Lawless. Dr. Lawless is the Dean of our Graduate Studies. He's worked with our International Mission Board for better part of a decade. And um, Dr. Lawless, you said this is the first time you've watched this movie all the way through. It is. So I'm wondering, uh, maybe like some of, some of our people here, what's your first impression as you see uh, this movie? What are some things that kind of stand out to you? Yeah, you know, Scott, there, there are two things that catch my attention. First of all, I think I, I, think I complain too much as I, I watch this and, and I think about the fact that this week I've gotten to, I've gotten to preach the word in a couple places around America and I open my Bible and I have the entirety of God's word in our language and I do it without, without fear, without threat of my life. And I get frustrated when, when the building's too hot or too cold or uh, the order of service isn't what I want and I think I, I take an awful lot for granted. But I'll tell you the other thing that, that uh, is weighing heavy on me right now as I watch this is, is what we do here. Mm. Our, our job here is to raise up men and women to take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. It, it struck me again that we, we might be preparing some of our students for death. Mm. And even more than that, we're sending them to places where when they share the gospel with non-believers, they are calling people to their death. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty weighty. I, I suspect, even though I know that in my head, I think watching this tonight, this will, this will keep me awake a little bit tonight. Yeah. So how do, we, how do we in the West, or how do we, some of the folks who are here who maybe never thought about the, the cost of the, the Christian faith, or you know, Nick makes the comment that most of the world persecution is normal, and we hear, I mean, what we have are hardships maybe, but how do we process that? Um, as, as Western Christians, young Christians, millennials, what do we do with information like that? Well, I think first of all, we just have to recognize that we're not aware of what's going on in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. we, we don't even know uh, where the rest of the world is in some right. cases. Uh, Nick mentions places around the world where we would not even be able to locate it on a map. And so I think I think part of what we need to do is make ourselves global people. Mm. Uh, we can certainly do it via the internet. It means watching the news, looking at a map, uh, reading stories of believers around the world, making ourselves get invested in the lives of other people. So at least we know that there are other believers out there taking, taking mission trips, uh, finding out what our churches are doing, meeting missionaries, Getting ourselves exposed to the reality of what the rest of the world faces is, is at least a starting point. And second, I would say we've, we've got to read the Bible with, with eyes that recognize the, the call to suffer. Right. That it's, it's just there. Uh, we may not experience it, but we can't ignore the reality that Paul tells Timothy, we're, we're going to suffer. Yeah, all who it's, live godly in Christ. It's, it's there. It's just uh, if we miss it, we miss it because we don't read well. Right. You know, I was struck by the, the scene in the movie when the, uh, I can't remember if it was the Russian church or the Chinese church, um, when they just said that their survival uh, came when they chose to identify with those who were persecuted rather than the persecutor. And he said, how did you know the difference? And they said, well, if we share our, 
If we share our faith today, we're identifying with the persecuted. If we keep silent today, we're siding with a persecutor. And every time I hear this, it's about the third or fourth time I've seen this movie, and every time I hear that, I am so convicted of my silence. Um, I just pretend it's hard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. In fact, I, I sat back there listening to that, and I'm, and I'm, as you, I'm a professor of evangelism and missions. Yeah. My PhD is in evangelism and church growth. <laughs> it ought to be that evangelism comes really easy for me, right. but, it, but it doesn't. I, have to, I struggle at it. I have to pray through it. I have to make myself get invested in, in the lives of non-believers. And I heard that, and I thought, goodness gracious, what are, what are my excuses? Right. Uh, none of them, none of them works. Uh, when I have a wide open door to tell my neighbors about Jesus, to tell my friends about Jesus, None of my excuses matters anymore. No, no. So to me, as we think about here, the other, the other question he asks, and you know, periodically at our convention or periodically we have a, a persecuted church Sunday or, or an organization like Open Doors or Voice of the Martyrs reminds us about, you know, the persecuted church. Nick makes the comment, there's no such thing as a persecuted church. There's just the church, the body. Some parts of it are suffering and some parts of it aren't. But how do you think as a, as a guy who's traveled the world, you've worked with mission organizations, how should we think about our suffering brothers and sisters around the world? How should we think about the, the, the persecuted part of our body? Is there any, what do we do with this? Well, I'd, I'd first go back to what I said a minute ago, and that's just get knowledge. Yeah. Read, read the resources and read them, read them wisely because you, you can read numbers of persecuted believers, and I've read numbers from uh, last year, the deaths of believers from 7,000 to 90,000. So, 90, you, so you have to be careful. Wow. Uh, the 90,000 included believers who died in tribal conflict yeah. and, and terrorist attacks. And so it may or may not be that they died right. particularly for their faith. And so you have to, you have to read uh, wisely as you look at those numbers. But, but I think we have to put ourselves in a place to go investigate what, what's really happening, mm-hmm. first of all. I think once we begin to hear what's happening, we, we have to commit ourselves to praying for believers around the world. Uh, to praying for missionaries that we're sending around the world. I, I, think, I think what our practice is, is if we hear about persecution, we hear about missionaries who are struggling, then we start praying. I think what Nick would say to us is, look, it is happening. Right. So you don't wait until you hear about it. You know it's out there, and you systematically pray through hmm. the nations, whether it's using a map, a globe, I think we've just got to get it in front of us and pray, Lord, I may not know all the believers in, in uh, East Africa or Asia or Eastern Europe, right. uh, but, but they're there. God, you know where they are, so break my heart over them and let me, let me pray for them. Yeah, you know, the Bible talks about identifying with those because we're part of the same body. It's as if, you know, if, if my arm hurts, the rest of my body is focused on my arm it doesn't neglect it or ignore it. And I think it's important that we remember that we are the body of Christ. We often say, you know, this is my body, and we think of our local fellowship, and that is our body, obviously, your church or my church. But we are the body that surrounds the world. And these, these men and women, these brothers and sisters, literally are our body. They are. And it's one of the reasons why here, and you, and you lead this effort, we want our students going to the well, they're going to the field, right. not only so they can go and, and share the gospel with other believers, but so they can see the, the breadth of the, of the body of Christ. I, I watch this and I think, about, 
I think about being in, in Eastern Europe and hearing Eastern European believers sing this same kind of, right. uh, not the same song, but, but hearing them just echo the gospel in their singing. Uh, Pam and I, my wife and I, flying on a little plane across East Africa to get to where people need to hear the gospel. And you meet believers there and you, you don't speak the same language. We worship completely differently. Some folks kiss you on the cheek and on the lips and all kinds of things that we don't, that aren't culturally uh, normal for us. And yet, and yet you know they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And there's something that, that supersedes everything else that says we're really a part of the same body and you come back a, a different person. Yeah. You know, Dr. Laws, you teach a class and you've written books on spiritual warfare. And you've been torn about exaggerations when it comes to spiritual warfare and sure. Western Christians who minimize the spiritual warfare aspect. But how do you watch a movie like this and read your Bible and uh, think about Satan and spiritual warfare and what role does spiritual warfare play in persecution around the world and Nick made several comments about the lie of Satan as it affects Western Christians so can you give us just a few minutes how you as a sort of an expert in spiritual warfare and the dynamics of the, the spiritual battle would process something like this well it's, it's clear in the scriptures that we're in this battle yeah you, you can't ignore that that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers so it's there, it's real. And I do think persecution is, is the hand of the enemy, mm. that Satan wants to destroy the church of God. On the other hand, Scott, I don't think we can approach that without seeing the overarching hand of God in all of this. Because mm. I think a central theme of the scriptures is that God directs his people into impossible battles so that he can be our warrior mm. and the nations will know his name. Yeah. I think that theme just just reverberates from, from really from Genesis to Revelation, that God sends us into the toughest places. God sends us to the Red Sea with the Egyptian army coming after us. God, God sends a shepherd boy to take on a, on a giant. Uh, God sends his church of nobodies into the, into the Roman Empire. And he sends us in the battles that we can't win on our own. The enemy wants to destroy us in those battles, but God leads us there so that he might fight the battle for us. And when he grants us victory, then the nations recognize his name. But sometimes that victory comes through death. Mm. It, it comes through our witness being the greatest, not when we're on the mountaintop, because that, that's easy. Yeah. It's easy to trust God. It's easy to raise our hands and praise God when life's going well. It's not so easy when when we're in the valley, we struggle with that. I can't imagine what it's like to be in a prison for 17 years. Right. But, but what we hear here is that our witness just gets expanded and God gets glorified, not always on the, not just on the mountain, but even more so in the valley where God takes us into the valley. The enemy tries to keep us there. He tries to convince us that God doesn't care, that God's not listening. Hmm. But it's when God holds our hand in that conflict, even into death, that all the world can say, there's a peace there that I don't, that I don't get, yeah. that I don't understand. Yeah, like these enemies in the movie, you know, who are you? I'm the child of the most high God. You know, I'll never forget when I was overseas, probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I was, you know, we were tired, we were in language study, kids were going to school, they didn't know the language, you know, it was, everything was difficult. I remember walking in, daycare one day and my son was had this big mark on his face somebody he got in a fight and 
he, was a little, he didn't understand the language. His little kid didn't know what he did wrong. And, you know, I'll never forget looking at him, looking at my wife. She was, you know, in culture shock. And I remember just saying to God, hmm. I'm not sure this is worth it. Hmm. And I remember saying to God, I'm not sure I love you this much. And I'm not sure you love me this much. It wasn't near what was going on here. Hmm. But it was just kind of a different dimension. I look back at that day now and, you know, God has proven himself time and again. Just a, obviously a confession, a moment of frustration. But, you know, Nick closes the move with this powerful question that I think we all have to answer. We have to answer it in our own lives. We have to answer it in our families. We have to answer it for our churches. We have to answer it, you know, for our, for our friendships, our, our calling. When he says, is Jesus worth it? Does Jesus work? How would you respond? How, how can we f- sort of finish off this day? We've had a conference and we've talked about missions. We've talked about going. How would you, how do we respond to that big question in the face of suffering, persecution, hardship? Maybe some people here facing God's call. They think, I think God's called me to the mission field. And then all of a sudden they see something like this and say, whoa, 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 not that mission field. Sure. But how, sure. how do we respond to a question like, is Jesus worth it? You know, Scott, I was, I was saved when I was 13, called, called to preach the same, same time, started pastoring a church when I was 20 years old, pastored for 14 years, had been uh, teaching now 20 years, been with the board the last eight years. Uh, I'm 56 years old. I look back to when I first started ministry, when I was in college. I was excited and, and pumped about just doing the, the work of God, loved preaching the word, I had no sense that, that the call of God would include something like this. Yeah. And, and in no way could I even talk. I know, I know Nick well. Uh, I talk with him. I listen to him. His heart still beats for the gospel. Mm. I think there's no way I've ever been even close to where he's been or what he's, what he's seen. But, but here's what I know at this point in my life. Everything that Pam and I have gained doesn't amount to anything. Mm. And I wish, I wish I'd known that at 20 years old. I don't know that I would have understood it, right. but I wish somebody would have said to me, you know what, you need to just pour your life into Jesus mm. because everything else you gained, all the, the, the degrees you earned, the dollars you, you, you put in your, in your savings account, at the end of the day, what, what matters is being able to stand before God and know that the Lord will say, you've, you've done well. Yeah. Uh, and what, what grabs me now, and you understand this because you live this same tension, is I, I look around at where I am in this safe place, <laughs> and I'll go to my warm house tonight without any fear of my life, and my brothers and sisters around the world are dying for the gospel, yeah. and three billion people who don't know this Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's worth it. And the, the question that haunts me is, if I really believe that, when do, I, when do I go? Yeah. And I go, whenever God's ready to send us, Pam and I will pack our bags. Yeah. In, the, in the meantime, we've got to give everything we've got to go as often as we can and send folks to the nations because Jesus is worth it. And our brothers around the world, our sisters around the world, when they say to me, Jesus is worth it, even if it costs me my life, right. 
He's, he's worth it. Yeah, that's good. Would you pray for us? We've, we've had a long day. We've learned a lot. We've seen a lot. God stirred in our hearts. We've closed with this movie. Would you pray? Pray for our uh, students who are here and their leaders. We got a good night's rest coming up. But most important, that we can really just process what we've learned because I think the spiritual lessons from a movie like this are life-changing. They right. shape our priorities. The American dream is not worth it, but Jesus is worth right. it. Would you pray for us? Sure, let's, let's pray. Father, God, first of all, I thank you that you're a God who hears us and who invites us to speak to you. You're not a man-made idol that has ears but cannot hear. You're not something that we created out of our own minds. I thank you that you're the living God who allows us to crawl up into your lap and bring to you our burdens. God, I thank you that we can pray right now. We can gather in this place in a building that looks like a church. We can gather and speak of your name and we can speak to you publicly and freely without any sense of threat on our life. But God, I also confess to you that beginning with me, we, we take all of that for granted. So forgive us for that, Father. And I pray, Father, for the, the men and women in this room. I, I thank you for their willingness to be here this weekend. I thank you for leaders and pastors that have guided them to this place. I thank you for all those who have already spoken and those who will uh, speak tomorrow. God, I thank you for Nick and Ruth and their family and their continued faithfulness to the nations. Lord, I know we're weary. On the one hand, I do pray for a good night's rest, but I pray at the same time that if you're dealing with our heart, God, that we would not rest until we do business with you. Amen. I pray that we would hear the voice of your spirit through your word and through your people. God, I pray that you would call us to you. And if that means, Father, we stay here in the States and we, we reach this nation, this continent for Christ, give us faith to do just that. If it means, God, we get on an airplane and we go to a place where folks are dying for the gospel, give us faith to do that. Lord, break our heart over the nations and over our persecuted brothers and sisters. Change us even this weekend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.